couple of weeks uh, before we started this series on the miracles of Elijah. So a couple of weeks before, we went through, you know, different miracles that God performed through this man of God across the land. You know, all the miracles started when Elijah shut the heavens, and then later on, he opened the heavens. And you remember Elijah, during the time of drought, he was fed and taken care by a widow in Zarephath. And you know, God multiplied the little provision that that woman had, and God blessed that provision because she obeyed the man of God, and God blessed that, and Elijah could stay. And you know, Elijah was protected during the time of drought in that, in that portion, in that part of the land. Now, it was almost the end of the drought. And during the drought, you remember the child of the woman, that widow died, and even Elijah prayed to God, and God performed another miracle of bringing that child back to life. Now it's almost at the end of the drought, almost at the end of the 3.5 years, three and a half years, the drought was there in the nation of Israel. So King Ahab was searching for Elijah. So King Ahab identified, realized the man behind this drought was who? Who was the man? Elijah, okay? Who was the man behind this drought? Elijah was the man because he was the one who shut the heaven. He was the one who's responsible for now. Ahab was looking for Elijah. So in fact, Bible says he searched all and the entire nation. He couldn't find him. In fact, the Bible says he searched even in the other neighboring kingdoms where Elijah ran to escape. And even he couldn't find it. But almost the drought is coming to an end. And Ahab... And Obadiah, Obadiah was a man who was in charge of the house of Ahab. Ahab was a king, and obviously he had a palace, and Obadiah is in very high position, and he's supposed to take care of the house of Ahab. And he, you know what? He was a man of God. And during this drought, Jezebel, the wife of King Ahab, a wicked woman, she killed all the prophets of God. You know, in those days, the land was filled with prophets. Their job is to go door to door and prophesy and speak to the people and turn their hearts to God. And not just Elijah, there are hundreds of them. And Jezebel killed one after the other, one by one. He, she killed almost all the prophets of God. And she was, in fact, she was in search for Elijah. Now, this Obadiah, he was a man of God, but he was in charge of the house of Ahab and Jezebel's house. And Obadiah... Uh, you know, preserved 100 prophets. He hid them somewhere. And every day, he was feeding them with the bread and water. That's what the word of God says. So he was taking care of all the 100 prophets. And Ahab and Obadiah, almost all the animals are dying. There are a couple of cattle left out. And they were also dying. And they both decided, king and the man in charge, they both decided, come, let's go and find some grass. You know, that was the situation of a nation after 3.5 years of drought. So they, they said, you know, Ahab said, I will go in this direction, you go in this direction. We will, we'll go wherever streams of water, we'll find some grass so that the remaining animals may eat and live. And Obadiah, as he was searching for grass, he met Elijah. And Obadiah was a man of God. Elijah was a man of God. And they had a good time, obviously. 
And Abadiah said, you know what? Ahab is searching for you. And Elijah said, you just go and tell him. <laughs> and Abadiah said, you know what? He's going to kill me. Because last three and a half years I'm searching for you. I couldn't find you. I just found you only now. And you know what? He's going to just kill me if he comes to know. And he said, you go. You go and tell that I saw Elijah. And over there I went and he went and told that I saw Elijah. And in fact, Elijah is willing to meet. And Ahab obviously was angry. And he was also happy, feeling happy because you know what? He's going to stop the drought. And Elijah went to, in fact, Ahab came forward to meet Elijah. And they were having a very good conversation there. That's what we read in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 and 19. Can you get that on screen? 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 and 19, 17 through 19. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. You know, what a strong guts that he had to stand in front of the king and to talk like this. It's not me. I'm not the one. I was not the one who was a troublemaker. You, it is you and your household, your father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the bells. Who are those bells? The false, false gods and goddesses sitting there across the street, across the land everywhere. Verse 19, now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So much of wickedness was going on in that part of the land. Under the leadership of Jezebel, she was just a wicked woman. She will not even hesitate to drink the blood of the animals. She was even demon-possessed. You know, she was handling all the false gods and their prophets and prophetess. So Ahab gathered all the Israel at Mount Carmel, including the prophets of Baal. And then Elijah proposed a challenge of preparing the sacrifices and getting the altar ready but not setting the fire and Baal's prophets praying to their God Baal and Elijah praying to the God of Israel that was a challenge what name you think you can give to that challenge we all come across ice water challenge water bucket challenge you know you know that no good people what challenge do you think you can give what fire good fire wood fire okay wood fire challenge okay let's call it that way wood fire challenge can you all say wood fire challenge wood fire challenge okay never forget that so that's the challenge of preparing the sacrifices and but not setting the fire but Baal's prophets praying to Baal and Elijah praying to God of Israel. Now, this is the deal. The one who answered by fire is the real God. That's a challenge. So the challenge was agreed by, any challenge has to be agreed, right? Correct? Yeah, that's why we are together in marriage today, right? It's a challenge, but it's an agreed challenge, right? Yes, 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 yes. come on, strong yes, we heard. 
Thank you. Right, so the challenge was agreed by both Baal's prophets and by Elijah. Finally, we see the prophets of Baal calling upon the name of Baal from morning till evening, and Baal did not answer. Obviously, you don't, you don't, you don't expect somebody to speak who never spoke. Correct? You can't expect somebody to hear who never heard anything. And they did not hear anything. And you know what? As their customs, they just started cutting their hand, hands and you know, feet and, and their body parts with a knife and sword and spear. And blood is running out everywhere. Thinking that God may call. You know, our God doesn't need you to do that. Because he died for you at the cross. He shed his precious blood at the cross. And you don't need to cut your finger. You don't need to cut, you know, make stretch marks on your, uh, scratches on your body to bleed. Because Jesus died for you at the cross already. And Baal's prophets, they did not do that. They tried their level best. And finally, at the end of the day, they gave up. They failed in that challenge. Then Elijah came forward. And he called in the name of the Lord. And Bible says, God sent fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And even the water that was filled in the trench, everything got consumed by the fire that came from heaven. Shall we, shall we just say an out loud, um, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because our God is alive. He is a living God. He is able to prove himself true in the situation. You know what the situation demands. According to the situation demands. You know you may be traveling. You may be in the flight. You may be in the airport. You would have got stuck somewhere. But you know God is a God who is always able to prove yourself if you call upon the name of the Lord. Elijah asked the other prophets of God to kill all the prophets of Baal. They were all executed. They were all killed. So this is one of the miracles of Elijah that we just read, Stephen read for us. So as I read this miracle, I became more interested in the man who performed the miracle than the miracle itself. I, I, I know God is capable of doing that. I, I, I know for sure and I believe you all agree with me that God certainly performed that miracle. But I'm more interested in the man who, who was behind this miracle. I want to know more about that man. Are you with me this morning? Because he himself is a miracle. He himself is a miracle. You know, this morning God created, God has created each one of us as a miracle. Bible says you are, we are so precious in the sight of God. God has so many plans for our lives. God has already thought of our name even before we were born. You know, when the baby is born, we have a struggle. We struggle and we fight, right? So, you know, what name to be given to the child? And father's family will say that, no, 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 I want my last name to be the middle name of the baby. And the mother's family will say that, no, 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 I want my first name to be the last name of the baby, right? So we want all names to be in. We had a fight, we have a fight during the time of the baby. But why did I say that? Okay, so we are all so precious in the sight of God. Our names were known to God even before we were born. God knows us. We are so precious in the sight of God. We are a miracle. Elijah was a miracle. We ourselves are miracles today. Because James 5.17 says that, we know the scripture, I'm just not going to read fully. James 5.17 says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was a man, James 5.17, with a nature like ours. What is our nature? We fail at times. We sit and worry at times, we cry at times, we lose at times, we gain at times, we laugh at times, we do all these kind of things. Elijah was just a man like us. 
God has created us beautifully. Each one of us is so precious in the sight of God. We are the miracles of God. We have so much potential within us. And God wants us to be used in his kingdom. God wants to use us in his kingdom. You know, this morning I pray that God, as we listen to the word, as we see the life of the man of God, God, I ask you that you would speak to me. You would speak to all of us, Lord, so that, Lord, we will realize the potential, the power that God has given to each one of us. Let's read a couple of scriptures. First Kings chapter 18, verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long you will falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. He's calling the people of God and telling them, You people have become so cold. What's wrong with you? You make a decision today whether you want to follow God or you want to follow Baal. And people answered nothing. Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. That was the challenge there. So as a simple, single man of God standing there before 450 prophets of Baal, and obviously Ahab and, and Jezebel are observing them, watching them from somewhere, what is happening. I would say, first of all, he's a fearless man of God. Can you say fearless? Fearless man of God. He was a fearless man of God. Elijah was a single man and 450 prophets of Baal. We see Elijah as a fearless leader, a miracle of God. Can you say fearless again? You know, today, not that we don't want to do anything for God. We want to do something for God, but fear prevents us from doing anything for God. How many of you agree with me? Can I hear an amen? We want to do something for God, but fear makes us, stops us from doing anything for God effectively. God is capable of touching lives and transforming lives. But we are afraid of executing the plan of God. God is capable of touching and transforming, changing lives, but we are afraid of executing the plan of God. This morning I want you to listen that God may put a thought in your mind and in your heart. Remember, we all sing, we pray for the days of Elijah, right? We sing days of Elijah. We want the days of Elijah to come. We pray and we ask God you would send the days of Elijah back again in our lives. But we are afraid of taking even a single step for God. So when, I, when we sing that, when we pray for that, how God can do it without an Elijah, even when the days of Elijah come in our lives. And this morning, God wants us to come out of that fear. I see a fearless man of God here. Today, when God's children come to church and we pray and we worship, you know, most of the time we do everything inside these four walls. Because we are so afraid of doing anything outside. We are so comfortable inside these four walls. 
We are so afraid of doing anything in the community. We are so afraid of proclaiming the truth. We are so afraid of leading youth and children to the truth. We don't see Elijah's today. We see only prophets of Baal. We don't see Elijah's today because the church is an enclosed, closed church. Church feels that it has nothing to do with the community outside. Elijah was standing in front of the prophets of Baal just by himself all alone. Church inside the four walls, all the prophets of Baal are on top of Mount Carmel. That's what is happening today. Church inside the four walls, but all the prophets of Baal are standing on top of Mount Carmel. What is the reason behind it? I believe fear is the main reason. You remember fear is the main reason Peter denied the Lord? Because he was afraid. Because he was afraid. Fear is the main reason that we don't do anything for God. Fear is the main reason the church hides herself inside four walls and not capable of doing anything effectively outside. Fear is the main reason that Baal's prophets are on the top of the Mount Carmel. You know, God doesn't want cowards. God wants people who know the Lion of Judah. God wants people who know the Lion of Judah. God wants people who trust in the power of God. Not just only for our healing, but for some lives to transform. God to do some miracle outside. You know, why miracles are not happening inside the four walls? It won't happen. Miracles will happen when there is, where there is a need. The need is outside, not inside the church. We are not praying for miracles inside the church. We need to go and pray for miracles to outside the church. That's where the need of a miracle is. That's where the life needs to be transformed. What are we doing to overcome the fear? What are we doing? There is so, it is so certain the church is going through fear. What are we doing to overcome the fear? You know, someone on the other day was telling me, I have every desire inside of me to do many things for God. I have all the thoughts. I have all the words inside of me. But I'm so afraid because I can't communicate. I'm so afraid because I cannot communicate. And my question is, what are you doing with that? What are you doing about your fear? Someone else says that I want to do many things for God, but I'm afraid that I may be misunderstood. Someone else tells me that, you know, I want to do certain things for God, but I know I don't think I'm acceptable to people. I don't think I'm acceptable to the society. I may get misunderstood. What are we doing to improve our mental strength? We need to do something to come out of the fear. This morning, we need to ask God, God, you would help me to come out of the fear. I want to do something for God. At times we say, I am afraid of my family. I'm afraid of my wife, I'm afraid of my husband, I'm afraid of my children, I'm afraid, afraid of my dad and mom. I don't know what they're going to say. My question is, what are we doing to come out of that fear of men and women? God wants us to do something for God, but what are we afraid of? Proverbs 29 verse 20 and 25 clearly says, can you read that together? The fear of man brings, can you read that out loud? The fear of man brings a snare 
but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. What is a snare? Snare is a trap. Fear of man is what? Fear of man is a trap. Once a bird gets stuck inside the trap, can it come out by itself? No. Once an animal gets into the trap, it cannot really come out by itself. That's what the trap is made of. You know, Satan has made the trap and the kept the trap in our lives so that we are living in the trap forever and ever. Always we are afraid of people. Elijah was a fearless miracle. Let's continue reading 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 to 38. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me. You know, that's a prayer, confident prayer. Elijah is making to God. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that it was in the trench. That was the prayer that Elijah made. And you know, I was carefully, very closely observing that prayer of Elijah. The only one word that I could come out with from that prayer is selfless. Can you say selfless? We saw Elijah was a fearless man. Here we see he's a selfless man. When Elijah really made that prayer, this morning if you, if you can just listen to me, if you can follow closely, you will understand. When Elijah made that prayer, what he was doing there and why he was making there that prayer, I don't see any selfish motivation in that prayer. He was not doing it for his own benefit. Think about a man who is just, you know, almost he's, he's on stake. He has given his life. He doesn't know what is going to happen to him at this moment. And I don't think he can just try to do anything at this moment for selfishness sake. He was not trying to get something out of this event. I want you to follow this with me carefully. You know, God can speak in this way to correct our ways, correct our lives. At times we are so happy to you know, rejoice with the crowd on what God did, what miracle God can perform. But unless God does something inside of us, there is no use of that miracle. It's not going to remain. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to change somebody else's life. So this morning, we need to be open for God to change, bring some change in our lives. Elijah was not only a fearless leader, but he was also a selfless leader. He was not concerned about his fame and his popularity, but he was concerned about God. Can you say God? You know, he said, let the people know that you are the God of Israel. All that Elijah wanted was just that. Let the people know that you are the God of Israel. You know, what is our ambition today? What is, what, what is our expectation today? Let that be the motivation of anything that we do for God. 
Maybe coming and leading a prayer, coming and leading a word, coming and singing and leading worship, praying, whatever we do, or preaching, whatever we do, let that be our motive. What is that motive? Let them know the God of Israel. You know, today, Christianity is known for selfish people. Just wonder, I want to talk about ourselves. They care more about their family. They care more about their church. They care more about their community. They don't really worry about people outside. They don't really care about anybody else outside. You know, there are churches when somebody walks into the church, if they don't speak the same language, if they don't look like them, they all just stare at them as if some stranger or alien is walking into the church. That's the situation of the Christian church today. Not our church. I thank God for all the colors. Amen? Amen. We still need missing some blue and white and purple and yellow and green and some different colors. We need everybody. We need everybody. Amen. <laughs> so you know what? People sometimes don't like. Children of God, we need to just come out of that shell. We need to just break that shell. Today, Christians are known for selfishness. A religion that doesn't totally, in fact, that a religion that does exactly opposite of its leader. Think about the churches today. They do exactly the opposite of what its leader did. Jesus went to reach the fishermen. Jesus, by birth, he was not a fisherman. He went to reach the fishermen. He went to the seashore to just find those fishermen and to, you know, encourage them, to support them, make them to fish more. He went to the tax collectors. He went to the prostitutes. He went to the sinner's house and had meal with them. We are following such a leader. Today we believe we are holy and the rest are sinful. We think that we are holy and the rest are sinful. I really feel sorry for that church that feels that way. Church, you are taught wrong by the wrong teachers and wrong teachings. The word separation in the Bible doesn't give any reference or doesn't give you an authority to separate yourself from the rest of the world. Listen to me. The word separation that we see in the Bible doesn't give you an authority to separate yourself from the rest of the people. It talks about the internal separation that you need inside of your life. Inside you need to be cut off. That foreskin needs to be cut off. You need to separate because you are crafted, you are a, you are a wild olive tree, crafted into, the, into, into a real olive tree. We sing and pray for days of Elijah. But we are not in the scene. Elijah had to stand on Mount Carmel on the day. We pray for, pray for days of Elijah. But we are not even at the church. You know, today I just want to talk to the church. You know, the situation of the church is so pathetic, not only here. I talk to other pastors across the Atlantic Canada when we get together. You know, they all say the same thing. They all say the same thing. People are just ready to leave the church. People are just to, ready, just looking for an opportunity to leave the church, quoting some reason. We are praying for days of Elijah. We are concerned about our own life and our own business and our own future. Elijah had to be present on Mount Carmen for the fire to come down. You and I need to be present in the presence of God for God to do something in our lives. One day in the week, if we cannot give to God, 
you need to question your Christian life. What is that Christian life? One day in a week, we don't keep aside for God. What is the Christian life we are living? As a believer, as a child of God, as an anointed man and women of God, as a member of the congregation, if we don't stand with the church, if we don't fulfill the role that you are supposed to play in an organization in the church, you are accountable for God. I am accountable for God. Our position and our responsibility, our role as a member, as a believer is given to us today. Not just lightly to be played, but to be taken seriously. I thank God for those who are trying to do the thing that repeatedly, every week, every day in this place to bring glory to God. I want you to know the responsibility with which Elijah is standing on Mount Carmel. You are not in that same situation, but today you have a little responsibility and God wants you to be faithful. Selfish motivation, selfish ambition is not going to help. There was an interview. A boy was interviewed. And during the interview, he looked at the, the interviewer, looked at the resume and asked one question, have you volunteered anywhere? And he said, yes. When did you volunteer? Is it on Sunday morning? And what was the kind of work you know, that you went, to, you went for volunteering? Well, I went to my church. So tell me what is the kind of work? So I was sitting down in the chair and then you know, when they say, somebody says, stand up, I stand up. When I sit, when I sit, and then I need supposed to listen to what they, whatever they say. When they ask to clap, I need to clap. And three hours of volunteer I did every Sunday morning. And that's my volunteer experience. You know, church has become so pathetic today. People come here to seek for any benefit. Can I get some volunteer certificate? Can I get some benefit out of what I'm doing? For, you are doing for home. You are doing for your living God. You are doing for your Savior. The church is losing its zeal. Church is losing its idea. And this morning, church, I want you to wake. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. Very hard scriptures. Let's read that and move further. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. What is next? Selfish ambition. Dissension, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and all these kind of things, which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past time, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you seek God with a selfish ambition, Bible says, the word of God says, you will never inherit the word of God. You will never inherit the kingdom of God. It simply says, if you follow God with a selfish motivation, you will never go to heaven. Word of God says. Bible says. Why are we following God? Is it because somebody is asking? Is it because somebody is asking you multiple times you need to come to church? Do not follow God just to satisfy men and women. Do not come to church just to satisfy men and women. Follow God faithfully. He knows you. 
Every toil, every hard effort that you make. Get up in the morning, put the children in the car, and drive to the church, and whatever you do, you know, you don't clean sometimes. You know, I end up in cleaning, and as I clean the church, as I clean the toilet, I thank God, because it is an opportunity that I have to do the work of God. I see some of the volunteers coming and doing the work of God. It is an opportunity that you have to do something for God, because you don't go and do outside. At least do it here in the church. Elijah was a selfless man. Let's move further. First King chapter 18 verse 40. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. I don't know why he went there. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and executed them there. Elijah killed all the prophets of Baal there. The number three quality I see in Elijah he is reckless. Can you say reckless? He is reckless in a good way. A person, what is recklessness? A person who does things without even thinking about the consequences of his action or her action. A person who does things without even realizing the consequence of his action. Elijah never thought if I kill the prophets of Baal tomorrow, I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get killed. But you know what? He did not worry about that. Recklessness, a good way, a good recklessness is a quality of a child of God. I'll just explain, help you here. Elijah killed all the prophets of Baal without even thinking about the consequence of his action. Many times we are too worried about the consequence. I want to talk to you this morning before we close. Elijah didn't realize that tomorrow Jezebel is going to kill him because he killed all the prophets of Baal. It did not come in his mind at that time. He was reckless, certainly. Many times we are so worried about the consequence. There are areas in our lives we need to be careful, we need to be cautious, we need to be prudent. Opposite to recklessness. Are you with me? There are areas in our lives we need to be very cautious, we need to be prudent, and we need to be, we need to be careful. But there are areas in our lives we need to be reckless. Can I hear an amen? Amen? I'll just explain, help you here. Some of us know the song Reckless Love written by Corey Osbury. So when Corey wrote this song, Corey is one of the writers, when Corey wrote this song, he had, I believe, he had Luke 15 in his mind. What is there in Luke 15? The prodigal son. The prodigal son coming back to his father. So Corey could imagine, visualize the heart of the father. The reckless love. The unconditional love. And I believe that's why he wrote this. I just put, the, put only verse 2 of the song for you. Can you read that? When I was your enemy. Can you read that? When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me, oh God. Some of us know this song. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so good, so kind to me. That's what is reckless love. Jesus, Jesus showed this reckless love at the cross, having you and I in mind. 
It is easy for a righteous to die for a righteous. But who will die for a sinner like us? He showed that reckless love. Jesus showed that. Elijah did not think about what is going to happen to his life. Elijah did not think that, you know, he is going to be taken out of his life. Elijah did not even think about the consequence. And he finally ended up in hiding himself. You know, this morning, God wants us to be reckless in some of the areas where we want to do something for God. Can I hear an amen? You know, there are areas we keep on worrying about the consequence of doing it. You know, when I came to full-time ministry, if I would have worried about the consequence of I'm stepping into full-time ministry, I'm just losing my $900,000 a year and coming for nothing. If I really kept on worrying about the consequence of what is going to happen, I would not have taken that step. And God would not have taken care of us more than 10 years now. God wants us to take those decisions of serving him, of doing something for him. And we want to be reckless in those areas. Do not worry about the consequence. If we keep on worrying about the consequence, we will never do that. I just put this quote in front of you that may help you in the next slide. Do you want, can you do that with me? Do you want to do something for God? Do it without thinking about the consequence. Otherwise, you will not be the one doing it. Do you want to do something for God? Do it without thinking about the consequence. Otherwise, you will not be the one doing it. God will find somebody. This morning, we need that. In the New Testament, remember Peter? He had that behavior of taking steps without even knowing the consequence. Beautiful scriptures, Matthew chapter 14. With that, we will end today. Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 to 30. Shall we read together? And Peter answered to Jesus and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter could walk on the water just only because of his reckless nature. He did not think about if I, what will happen. You know, that's what immediately we will think about. What will happen if someone looks at me in this way or that way? Forget that. When are we going to do something for God? God wants you. God wants you. You know, this morning I'm here with a heavy heart. I see some of us falling apart. I see some of our church members you know, not losing the zeal of serving God. This morning I pray that God may awaken us. We need that desire. We need that zeal. Shall we all just arise this morning as I summarize and close? Can you have the next slide? If you are fearful, if you are selfish, if you are careful in taking steps to do something for God, you will never be able to achieve anything for God. Instead, be fearless, be selfless, and be reckless in doing something for God. Shall we all close our eyes this morning?